Welcome to Obsessed Show, a podcast that is designed to inspire, featuring some of the most creative people in the world. I'm your host, Josh Miles. Let's talk about today's episode. Today on Obsessed Show, I'm chatting with creative director of the Superfan Company, Abby Downing. According to their website, the Superfan Company is an all-female team of pop culture enthusiasts creating powerful programs and products that engage superfans. Go figure. Their clients include Paul McCartney, Phil Collins, Shawn Mendes, Katy Perry, and Ace Comic-Con. So without further ado, please enjoy this conversation with Abby Downing. Okay, kids, all the way in from New York City, we've got Abby Downing with us today. Abby, welcome to Obsessed Show. Hi, thanks for having me. Hey, well, this is really interesting. You know, I, I saw that you've done some work with, with Katy Perry and out of the giant world of coincidences, um, my brother is like buds with her parents, which is, which is really bizarre. Love the small world stories. She's a powerhouse. <laughs> I bet her parents are too. Yeah, they're, they're pretty dynamic. It was, uh, we had a chance to, to meet them. My, my brother and they are both in the, um, kind of in the ministry circles. So it's, um, it was, it was a really kind of surreal thing to think these are that really famous girl's parents. (laughs) So I also saw in your bio that you're a bigger fan of books than podcasts. So maybe this was a bad idea. I know. I totally um, put my foot in my mouth there, but I spend so much time on the computer during the day that it's nice to pick up a book every now and then. Um, But I do enjoy your podcast and I love to listen to podcasts when I'm out walking. So I can do both. Okay. I suppose that's an acceptable answer. (laughs) So, hey, before we dig into my usual favorite question about origin stories. Um, I'm curious about the Superfan company's origin story as well, because I did a little bit of um, cyber stalking and I saw you guys used to be called Zine Pack. So I'm really curious like what that was about and then why the switch, why the, why the new name? Yeah, of course. About eight years ago, we birthed Zine Pack. At the time, it was named for our core product which was a deluxe version of an album. So it was about a 64, 72 page mini magazine with a CD in it. And they were sold at Walmart. Walmart was our first customer. And so our company name was the same as our product name. And for the first three or so years, that's all we did exclusively. We produced zine packs for all different artists and TV shows and movie soundtracks. They were all sold at Walmart. And over time, the industry has changed so much. Music sales have changed. There's so much more streaming. There's so much more social media. People aren't necessarily going into retail stores like Walmart to buy a CD anymore. So that really changed our business model. And we were lucky that artists really enjoyed working with us. And they weren't putting out albums multiple times a year or even every year. So we started working with them more on their VIP packages and fan clubs and things like that. And we were doing a lot more than just music packaging. So we slowly evolved. We started using the super fan company as our tagline because we were on Shark Tank several years ago as Zine Pack. So we didn't want to lose all of that cachet in the name um, because Shark Tank re-airs all the time, which is fabulous. But then all of a sudden if Zine Pack goes away, it's super confusing. 
So, so is this uh, is this episode like up on YouTube? We could dig that up and throw that in the show notes. It is. It's up there. My partners, Brittany and Kim, were on Shark Tank. Um, they got a deal from Two Sharks, and it was super exciting. But then we were kind of stuck with the name Zine Pack for a while, even though we were ready to leave it behind. <laughs> So we, we made the brand decision to start using the super fan company as a tagline. And then slowly over the next couple of years, um, we were able to evolve that and eventually flip it. So last year we switched to the super fan company from the team that brought you Zine Pack. And now this year we've gone just straight to the super fan company and kind of left Zine Pack behind, um, except for in Google, which Google picks yeah. it up. Google so knows everything. Good, exactly. It's been a really good transition, but there was a lot of, thought on process to how we did it because of that shark tank situation. So were you guys in Walmart before shark tank or was shark tank the thing that got you in Walmart? We were in Walmart before shark tank and we had just started doing more tour programs and, and tour books and merchandise for artists. And we really used shark tank as a platform to enter some new arenas. We talked about wanting to get into sports. And through that, we actually started working with the New York Mets and the Boston Red Sox. So it was a really good entry point for us into some other areas other than just music. So how do you guys, obviously it was a very tidy pitch before that zine pack was the the whole album super thing. Um, but how do you guys pitch yourself today? What, what do you say it is that super fan company does or, or is it I would imagine it's more difficult. <laughs> it is definitely more difficult now because we don't have a set product to pitch. Everything we do is completely custom based on the artist or the team or the venue or the situation. So we say that we produce and create one of a kind programs and products. And that can be anything from a physical piece to a unicorn backpack to something experiential during a VIP meet and greet. So it's interesting to me that um, I've talked to so many designers and so many agencies that say we want to come up with a product and we want to sell a product and get rid of this, this whole client nonsense. Um, and then you guys kind of went from, we have a product to now we're more of a services company where you're still producing end products, of course, but I, I would imagine the business model is wildly different than it was when you were just selling zine packs. Wildly different. And we are the crazy people that did the reverse and now we're dealing with all of the client nonsense <laughs> as you said. Um, it's made things very much uh, an adventure, I would say. Mm -hmm. we, when we were doing the product for Walmart, our team grew pretty quickly. And we had systems in place that we could really crank these out, um, even with custom content and interviews and all that. We were able to crank them out very quickly and get them into stores. Our team, since we have started working this way, we've gone back to being really small so that we can be nimble and quick and turn on a dime because everything we do is different. And the entertainment world is certainly not known for having very long lead times and timelines. So it is easier for us now to be a small team that can show up anywhere and pivot when we need to and research new artists or processes or vendors. So we're doing things a lot differently than we were six or seven years ago. So 
let's circle back to that whole origin story question. So for you, especially since you were kind of part of the founding team, was was this idea of doing doing the zine packs and kind of getting into music was that the original passion for you or was it more on the design or creative side the original passion for me was definitely on the design side i went away to to north carolina unc for school go tar heels and i went there knowing i either wanted to do advertising or going to medical school really two different paths and my dad is a doctor and I just felt like maybe that's what I should do, even though my whole life I've been really creative, really into arts and crafts and making things and seeing things differently and thinking about things differently. So when I got to Carolina and realized that I could not get through my summer school chemistry class, I went all in on the advertising design side of things. And chemistry at, will get you, you know, whole, it really, it really is just not how my am I thing. supposed to understand what a mole of something is like that. <laughs> yeah. And you know, it just, it thankfully in my world now, it really doesn't matter. Thank goodness. <laughs> but I, uh, I did advertising in the journalism school at North Carolina and I loved it, but it was very business driven at that point. It wasn't as much of a creative and design program like they mm-hmm. have now. So that kind of put the entrepreneurial bug in me, but I still really wanted to focus on the creative and the design elective classes that I took, I loved, and I loved thinking that way. So when I left North Carolina, I ended up going to the Portfolio Center in Atlanta, Georgia, which is a two-year intensive uh, focused all on design and art direction and the programs and concepts behind design, and I just loved it really intense, really great. And I just felt like that's what I was supposed to be doing. So from there, I, you know, went out looking for a job when I finished school there. And I landed with an architecture firm in Boston called Gensler. They're amazing. Mm. They do amazing work. They're all over the world. And I was doing environmental design for them. So signage and spaces and um, huge walls of banks and restaurants And I loved it because it was so different and it was so large scale. So I've had a few different aspects of design over the years, which in hindsight probably led me perfectly to this position with Superfan because what we do is so different. And we're not just doing print or textiles or spaces. Uh, We're doing everything. So I had the environmental background from Gensler. And then I got a job at Condé Nast working for Brides Magazine, doing layout and promotions and ad work and events, and did that for a couple years, which is actually where I met Kim, one of the co-founders for the Superfan. And after that, I left Condé Nast for a while and just did freelance. And at that point, I was doing pop-up shops and branding and a little bit of everything. And it was during that time that the co-founders, Brittany and Kim, decided to start at the time Zine Pack, now the Superfan Company, and brought me into the conversation. And I loved it. So I helped them initially with their branding. And the first couple Zine Packs we did, we really didn't even have a company yet. Like nothing had officially gone through. (laughs) We already had product in Walmart. And... 
Kim was kind of holding down the fort at a job she had at that point with Brittany. Brittany and I were working all night on these projects. It was a crazy start. But it's been, as we've evolved and as we've started doing more than just the zine packs, it has really broadened my inspiration and learning and opportunities to, to challenge myself. So it's been awesome. It's been awesome to take all of those aspects of design and creative and have it in one job. So it's funny in the category of more small coincidences, um, kind of my main role today is I'm the chief marketing officer for a membership organization in the architecture, engineering, and construction world called SMPS. And um, for that, I have another podcast where we talk just about professional services marketing and our topic that we just discussed on the episode that went live today was all about Art Gensler's book. Oh, wow. That's great. So how crazy is that? That is crazy. Gensler is an amazing company. They really do some cool stuff. Indeed. Very impressive. And, and um, I think from a marketing perspective, um, you know, obviously they are primarily in the architecture space, but um, from a marketing perspective, they're definitely leaders in that, in that industry, at least in my, in my, my personal opinion. Yes, I agree with that. So let's come back to, um, the super fan company though. So what does, um, everyone I ask this question of, they say, well, I don't really have a normal day. Everything's different all the time. I'm sure that's true for almost all of us, but in theory, what might an average day look like for you? I usually start pretty early. I work from home a lot when I'm in Charleston, South Carolina, and I can get a a lot done in the mornings before anybody's in the office in New York. So I take advantage of that time. I usually am pretty productive through the lunch hours. And then in the afternoon, I definitely hit a wall for a couple hours. And (laughs) I have tried to use that to my advantage, whether it's going to the gym at that time or walking the dog or getting off the computer. But my most productive hours of the day are definitely from like 7 a.m. till 1 p.m. When I'm in New York, I spend a lot of times in meetings, um, going with Kim to meet with different clients, going to shows, that kind of thing. When I'm in Charleston, I spend a lot of time on the phone. My company and all of our clients kind of communicate differently. So whatever that day requires, whether it's conference calls or sending emails or coming up with new concepts. I would say in a general week, we're working on live projects, pitching new concepts and talking, you know, three months out with clients that there aren't any ideas yet. We're just trying to spark that flame a little bit. So I'm curious what your, what your midday workout of choice is or what else you might do to kind of push through that mid afternoon lull. Yeah. Napping isn't really an option. So I (laughs) love walking my dog during that time. Um, It's hot as heck in Charleston this time of year. So sometimes that is not an option, Mm -hmm. but you know, if I can go to spinning or if I can go to orange theory, or even if I can just go like sit outside for a few minutes in the rocking chair, just anything to get off the computer, take some deep breaths, kind of reset for that last push of the afternoon. uh, It really helps me. So which, um, obviously you guys are doing more than just zine packs at this point. I'm curious which mediums or media 
you find yourself working within most frequently? Are you still doing a lot of print or are you guys getting into digital elements as well? We do a lot of print, which is crazy because people keep saying that print is going away and I find myself doing more and more print. Hmm. Isn't that interesting? It really is. We balance that a lot with, we've been doing more merchandise for artists and clients. So a lot of the things that we're doing now are producing products, whether that is custom speakers or custom headphones, uh, a unicorn backpack for Tiffany Haddish, things like that that are being produced out of different textiles and modes and methods, whether that's domestically or in China. We're doing a lot of that these days. And then generally there is a print piece that supports that. So I'm really curious. Um, I mean, my guess is, you know, Katy Perry is not emailing you to ask for a new project, but, or maybe she is, <laughs> but I'm curious where, like, does it come from the record label or from a promoter or from a venue? Like where, where do these A-list acts and, uh, you know, teams and whatnot, where, where do those typically come from? That's a great question. We're in a really strange position which is excellent, it's not a complaint, that we have met a lot of people over the years. So we're kind of in this strange middle ground where we know a lot of artist managers, we know a lot of people at the labels, we've started working directly with festival organizers and the venues and the ticketing teams such as uh, Live Nation and Ticketmaster. Mm -hmm. So we, we really kind of, straddle that line a lot. So some of our projects come from all of those areas. It's really great when we know people on the team that are in all of the areas for an artist or an event, makes it really easy to work through that and, and all the politics that are there. But we, we really will work with, anyway, we're working with merchandise companies, but we also happen to know the management for that artist. So we get, we get in the back door that way sometimes in terms of collecting the information we need or having the access that we need, but still going through the right channels of the political game of who's paying who and mm -hmm. who's selling it and all those things. Right. I'm sure there's lots of layers of markup and profit centers and whatnot. Especially lots in that of, world. And lots of layers of decision-making and opinions and, and all of that as well. So I'm curious, um, maybe especially for a new act or somebody that you've yet to work for yet, how do you know who's going to be a great fit for the super fan company or are there things that you look for in particular, given that you may acquire that client through one of several different channels? Great question. We feel like everybody has super fans, whether it is a, an A-list artist or somebody up and coming that's really underground and local Everybody has those fans. They're going to be big proponents for them and stand up for them and buy everything they ever create. So from our standpoint, it's really about understanding who those fans are, regardless of who the talent is. We really have worked with so many different styles of people and teams and um, it's, it comes down to what their fans are looking for and if they're willing to connect with their fans on that deeper level. Our most successful projects are always the ones where the artist 
wants to be involved and wants to create something for their fans that their fans haven't seen before. And that's always so exciting because the fans get, you know, they're over the moon about that. So is there like a, an intense or a intentional research piece of your process to figure out who the fans of, you know, Phil Collins, for instance, who are Phil Collins fans and what do they want and what have, what is it that they haven't seen yet from him? Yeah, we definitely do a lot of research before every project. We're lucky that our team has very varied interest. So between us, we usually all have at least a little bit of background before we get started and, and really dig into Google and listening to music and watching music videos. But we don't do the typical brand study where we say, you know, the, the Phil Collins fan is a 48-year-old female that lives in the Midwest and XYZ. We don't do that. We study more social media and fan interactions and YouTube videos that have been posted at previous shows and what similar acts are doing for their merchandise or their VIP. And we always like to create things that we feel are useful and that fans are going to really think is cool. And so that's, it's not a science by any means, but that's usually how we get started. Yeah, that's really interesting. Well, it sounds like kind of a mix of um, research and feel at that point. So it's not necessarily, you know, quantitative analysis, but you're just kind of getting the pulse of what, what people are putting out. Yeah, exactly. A lot of gut feeling. So my, um, I promise this is related. My, my parents have a, a honeymoon cabin in uh, Gatlinburg, Tennessee in the Smoky Mountains and which is the home of Dollywood. So when I saw this photo of you on, on the website of you with Dolly Parton, I, for a split second, I thought maybe it was her, her wax double. <laughs> That's a fair point, but it's actually really Dolly. <laughs> and she is truly amazing. After seeing her perform live and talk to her, we worked on her last album. I said, if I could convert to a religion that doesn't exist, I would be all in on like the religion of Dolly. <laughs> well, that, that leads me, maybe your answer is Dolly Parton, but, um, I would imagine you've had a chance to at least, um, indirectly meet, if not directly meet a lot of these acts and celebrities and, and whatnot. But I'm curious who your favorite that you've met in person has been, or has anybody especially surprised you if, if, if you can't pick a favorite. Dolly is up there for sure. She is so genuine and kind and her outlook on life is just something I aspire to. So she's definitely at the top of the list. Probably the next one I think of up there is Jimmy Buffett. I've been a Jimmy mm. Buffett fan forever growing up in the South. You know, his music was a, a soundtrack for my life in the summers. And he is an amazing businessman and he has done such a fabulous job of creating his brand that is so all-encompassing. And working with him and hearing his ideas and seeing how he is staying on the forefront of technology and his thinking and the way he's building things was just a really cool experience. Okay, this question you can really take one of two ways. So I know as creatives it's easy for us to get um, – to get down or to get frustrated when a project or a client doesn't go 
the way that you want it to. So I'm curious, either are there particular red flags that you guys watch out for? Um, and if that doesn't actually make sense to answer, then are there ways that you individually or maybe corporately get through those those tough moments with a project or maybe something creatively that isn't going how you want it to? That's all the time. <laughs> I feel like that, <laughs> that's, that's the, the norm. <laughs> um, we are constantly running into roadblocks and whether that be creative barriers, time barriers, financial barriers, the that is really the norm, sadly. Um, I think that my team is excellent at being problem solvers and we pride ourselves on that and we pride ourselves on being proactive and really thinking through how to get to that end result given all of the hurdles that are going to have to be jumped over. So I guess fortunately or unfortunately, we've gotten really good at that over the years. <laughs> uh, so it doesn't really surprise us anymore. Of course, there are those days and moments when you want to beat your head up against the wall because you've spent hours on something that, you know, is getting derailed or something goes wrong with production or a tour gets canceled. You know, that stuff is really beyond our control. But as long as we have a thorough understanding of what's going on and we've really thought through solutions and how to solve the problems that can be solved, then we generally find ourselves in a pretty good position. Do you have a favorite either type of project or type of challenge or, or medium or um, thing that you guys produce experience wise is, is, does anything just really inspire you right now? My favorite medium is still print. I just love having that end result, not only the pressure of getting it right the first time because print, you know, you can't go back and change it very easily right? and it's not financially very smart to do that. So I, I love the pressure of print. I love that print lasts forever. And I love that it's a bit of a throwback these days, ironically, in terms of being inspired the thing that my team is loving working on these days are ticket packages for festivals. Mm -hmm. We are doing a lot of stuff with festivals where they have the RFID wristbands. So they're mailing something out to fans a month prior to the show. And we've had a lot of fun creating packages that are snail mail. Basically, you know, people are getting a super fun package in the mail that they're opening, they're getting excited about, they're putting pictures all over Instagram, social media, and we get to be really creative with those. There is a festival coming up in about a month called Lost Lands, and it's really cool concept, and they're all about dinosaurs and these amazing large-scale structures that are dinosaurs, and we just did their ticket package that's started dropping. I think they've been delivered to fans starting the last couple days. And as part of the ticket package, there's a sheet of dinosaurs that are almost like paper dolls. You just punch them out and put their legs in. <laughs> and then people are creating their own photo shoots with them in the grass and with their iguanas and with these crazy lights. It's just really cool to see how something that we create inspires creativity in other people. 
So this is a dinosaur festival or a music festival that is dinosaur themed? It is a music festival that is dinosaur themed. You'll have to check it out. Lost well, Land. It's what kinds up, of I acts think, are at this place? Um, oh, they have a very big set list. Um, it's, I think they're in, I don't know how many years they've been doing this now, but they, they have all kinds of, of artists and the dinosaurs, they actually have people come in and like have to be put together every year. They're, they're massive. How cool is that? I bet my kids would love that. It is really, really cool. And they just do some really cool stuff. So this year with their ticket package, they wanted to take it up a notch. And so starting, I think it was yesterday, we saw the first ones popping up on Instagram of people doing their own photo shoot. And the festival really embraced it and is going to give away VIP upgrades, like extra VIP upgrades. Mm -hmm. People that, you know, for the posts that they find the most inspiring or the most fun. So it'll be interesting to see what starts popping up over the next week or two as everybody else receives theirs. That's a great idea. You know, as we're talking about festivals and VIP packages, I can't help but think of Fire Festival. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, so I have to think that, that <laughs> yeah, well, I have to think though that you guys are looking at that as, as a learning opportunity of like, Hey, let's, let's, what's, what is there here that we can learn from this or we can watch out for? And not that you have to name any names or anything, but have you guys ever looked at a client and thought, you know, is, is this, is this concerning in this post fire festival universe that we live in? We've been really lucky that the clients we've worked with have been 99.9% amazing, great humans. And a lot of times with these festivals, we get involved more on the back end of things where the money is either already allotted, the tickets are already sold. It's a festival that's been going on for years and years and is, you know, pretty solidified. So we haven't had any experiences where we within the festival world or the music world where we felt like, oh man, this is a super risk. Do you guys ever get invited to participate on spec or to like as a potential investor of sorts? We've had people come to us asking if we wanted to be involved on that level. And we usually run from that. We don't <laughs> want to be involved on that level, but we love being involved from a creative standpoint as early on as people will take us. So if we can have a seat at the table from day one, we will take it and we will come with ideas and we will be as involved as they will allow us to be. And anytime that opportunity presents itself, we throw a party. It's great. You know, we love getting involved on from the very beginning. Nice. Well, I'm, um, I'm also curious, especially since you were part of the founding team, if, so you can answer this question both as something from the corporate perspective or maybe individually, but what's maybe one of the projects that you guys have done that you've been most proud of? Oh, wow. That's a really great question. All of them. They're all our babies. <laughs> and <laughs> All we our favorite children. Yes, they're all our favorites. We don't like to say one is better than the other. I would say our initial, at the very beginning when we were doing zine packs, uh, they were, it was really challenging after a while. You know, we wanted them each to represent the personality of the artist. Mm -hmm. 
So whether we were working with Katy Perry or we were working with Dolly Parton or whoever it was, we wanted to make sure that that product felt really truly ingrained in their personality and for their fans. So we were really proud that we were able to do that, you know, upfront. Since we have moved on from doing that, we trying to think some of the, we started doing passports for Sean Mendez for his tour three years ago. And they were so successful for his VIP fans and his early adopters that we've ended up doing it for, this is now his third tour. And fans are collecting them and they get stamps at every show they go to and at the merch booth. So that concept which we actually first did with Mumford and Sons prior. We've also done with Halsey and a few other artists. Mm. That concept has been really successful. So we're really proud of that and being able to take that into different venues and different artists and different fandoms. So that's been really cool. So another question I love to ask everyone who's on this show, which correlates uh, with the name of the show is I find that, uh, all designers and all creatives, it turns out, are, are pretty obsessed or obsessive with things or trends or whatever. So I'm curious, and it could be anything in life in this category for you, but I'm curious what you find that you are most obsessed with right now. I am always obsessed with music, the new music, the new styles, all different varieties of music, old, new, pop, country, so that's a big one for me. I, I'm obsessed because I love it, and I'm obsessed because I want to know what's happening in that world for research and work purposes. I'm also obsessed with football. Being mm. from the South, football is a, another religion along with Dolly that I want to follow, <laughs> and football season is you know, kicking off here in another week or two. So that is just something that I love and I love the spirit of it. I love college football down South. I love falling NFL. Um, so that's just an outlet that I have that I really enjoy. So I will be obsessed with that for the next few months. And my other obsessions right now, I really have an obsession with being out on the water, whether mm. that's at the beach on the boat, when I'm in Charleston, that is really my mental cleansing, my mental health. And it's amazing to be able to work with all of these awesome clients that are in LA and New York and traveling all over the world and then be able to go out at the end of the day and get on the boat and feel like I'm on vacation. So that is, that is an obsession that I don't see going away anytime soon. Yeah. I think I, w if I could do that today, I would, I would definitely do the boat thing. That, that yes. sounds pretty amazing. Um, so I'm curious in particular if you find that you are a super fan of anything that you don't readily admit. <laughs> so it could Ooh. be a TV show, a musical act, an actor, a, a movie. Um, is there anything that, that you, it's like your guilty pleasure? I'm pretty shameless in the fact that I just admit it. I'm really, I don't shy away from it. I can't think of anything off the top of my head that I, I wouldn't readily admit to, which... I probably should rethink, you know, I probably shouldn't keep some of that to myself. <laughs> That's awesome. Do you feel like your, um, your company is just like a, a group of super fans themselves? 
we are 100% super fans. And what we're super fans of is a very big variety. My partner, Kim, is a huge Florida Gators fan. She grew up in Florida, went to school there. Amy and Carly in my office are huge Broadway super fans. Amy, I swear, has seen every single show and can tell you everything about all of them. She's amazing. We just have so many different interests. And part of that is because we're all from very different backgrounds and, and enjoy doing different things. But another part of it is having this company for the last eight years has opened our eyes to all different things that we wouldn't necessarily have been familiar with. And because we have such great respect for talent and these fandoms, we have really gotten into all these different things that we didn't previously know about. So that's, I'm very grateful for that and the experiences that it's given all of us. Well, from what I can tell, at least on the website, the portfolio and the diversity of your client base makes for some pretty diverse work. Um, so what were some of your influences coming up or do you have any particular design heroes? I am in an interesting situation in that I don't really have a design style. And I feel like this day and age, most designers can hang their hats on a particular word or style or vibe and I don't have that. So I have become okay with considering myself a design chameleon and I really change colors and style and warp based on who we're working with and what yeah. our ultimate goal is. So from that standpoint, I don't really have designers or design heroes that I follow along with. It's more of a, a pop culture inspiration and designers doing cool things with the new Nikes or album art or billboards or um, graffiti. You know, it really is such a varied source of inspiration. Well, I, I mean, that definitely makes sense as I look at all the different things that you guys touch. There's, there's definitely the chameleon nature to that. And even, I mean, even if you look at just musical acts how different the vibe needs to be to go from from Katy Perry to to country to to Phil Collins so yeah and it's uh, it's an interesting place career-wise I talk to students a lot about it and to be in the position I'm in where I get to work with Green Day and Katy Perry and Jimmy Buffett and Ace Comic Con and the New York Mets you know that requires a level of freedom and a level of understanding that it's all going to have to be done a different way. And you're going to have to start over each time and you really can't, you're not going to walk into a situation and say, well, this is my style and they're hiring me because of my style. So it, it makes my career interesting. It makes every day very different, but I love that about it. Well, we've, we've focused a lot around the music piece of things. Um, Talk a little bit about Ace Comic Con. What what types of needs have they had and what kinds of problems would you help solve for a company like that? Yeah, Ace Comic Con is amazing. Uh, Garib and Steven are brothers. They're our clients and they are building this empire. And they do shows several times a year. And we've been working with them since their inception to put together their VIP packages. So when a fan goes online and buys a ticket and buys the VIP upgrade, what they're receiving 
when they show up to the show, we're creating or sourcing, um, putting together all of the above. So that is what we've been doing for them. Um, we've started having more strategy-driven conversations. We're starting to talk about different um, brand tie-in opportunities and just our thoughts and creative ideas in helping them grow, which they're doing at an exponential rate and it's amazing. And we're just hoping to infuse more ideas into their already amazing business plan to help them, you know, reach farther and wider in the super fan world. Is there anything from um, the viewpoint of kind of the, the fan experience or the onsite experience that you guys have, have discovered since making this shift? Yeah, we, we are huge proponents of experiential situations where fans can really be immersed in the whole world of the artist or the event. We have not done a whole lot of experiential stuff in terms of a sole event, but the passports for Sean Mendez I was talking about before and several years ago when we did passports for Mumford and Sons, it was a really cool take on the experience. Fans receive these passports in the mail with their tickets and for Mumford and Sons, the passports had their name and it had a passport number and it had a scannable barcode. So on site fans interacted with different booths and merchandisers and events to scan them. And that allowed event organizers to A, collect data, which was amazing, B, to see who was interacting and what percentage of people were interacting. But then it allowed fans to have a reason, you know, to go to a booth they may not already go to because they were going to win potentially a backstage pass that night or a VIP upgrade or whatever it was. So it was multifaceted in terms of who it was serving. And so that was a really cool experience to work on. So shifting gears a little bit before I let you go, um, I'm curious if you have a favorite piece of advice that you have received or maybe a favorite piece of advice to pass along to new team members that join the super fan company. My favorite advice, and I don't know where this came from, so I can't credit them, but I live and die by this advice and it is to be steadfast in the goal or the outcome you want to achieve, but be very flexible in the way you get there. And that is how my team operates. And I think we all would have gone insane by now if we, we had not adopted that way of living and working. I think that is a great approach to working with clients. Well, thank you. It's, it's worked so far. Well, hey, um, tell us about where fans of our show who want to be fans of you guys can find you online and to learn more about you. Yeah, we have the superfancompany.com and we're the superfan company on socials. And I am at abbydowning.com and abby.downing on Instagram. Excellent. Well, Abby, it's been a pleasure getting to know you a little bit. And uh, thanks for being on the show today. Thanks so much for having me. It was great chatting with you. You bet. And thank you for being obsessed with design. Okay, kids, that's show number 130 officially in the books. For all of today's show notes, head over to obsessedshow.com. 
And for those of you who are still listening, you are the obsessed of the obsessed. And if you'd like to support what's going on here at Obsessed Show, I would love it if you would check out patreon.com slash Josh Miles and see if you'd like to kick in a few bucks an episode. It would mean a ton to me. And thank you from the bottom of my heart. You can get all of today's show notes on our website, still at obsessedshow.com. And if you haven't already while you're there, add your email address to our newsletter. I'll update you on some of my favorite new episodes and some cool things I find in my daily obsessions. Of course, all the links are over at obsessedshow.com to all the places you can find this show, iTunes, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, SoundCloud, Google Play, and Spotify. So no matter where you find your podcasts, chances are you can listen to Obsessed Show from there. Just head over to obsessedshow.com. The Obsessed Show was first told that it was a firework at Miles Herndon a branding agency in beautiful downtown Indianapolis. Visit milesherndon.com to learn more. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time.